0: Do you need a miracle in your life? I wonder what would you ask God for? Today, we celebrate the ninth birthday of HTBB. And over the last nine years, we've seen God do many miracles as we've watched him build the church, the Alpha Hub, and also the Theological College, SPTC. Did you know there are 35 miracles recorded in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 18 of those miracles are recorded in only one gospel. Five are recorded in two of the gospels, and 11 miracles are found in three of the gospels, but only one miracle is recorded in all four of them. That's the feeding of the 5,000. Now in John's gospel, he often calls these miracles signs, and he records, records seven miracles by Jesus before the crucifixion and one after. And the last of these seven miracles or signs is Jesus's raising of the dead man, Lazarus. Now only three times, in the gospels, does Jesus raise someone from the dead? The daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow in Luke seven and the raising of Lazarus, who was the brother of Mary and Martha in John 11. And today I want us to look at this famous miracle by Jesus, the raising of Lazarus. And whilst we can't reduce God's miraculous work to a formula, I want us to ask this question. How might we see more miracles in our own lives and in the HTBB story moving forward. So let me read to you now from John chapter 11. Jesus has come to Bethany where his friend Lazarus has already died. And we read this from verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So what do we see about how God works miraculously? Well, the first thing is this, feel the need. Just before our reading in verse 33, uh, we say this, when Jesus saw her, that's Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Then in verse 35, we get the shortest verse in in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. And then in verse 38 in our reading, it says, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. So twice in just a few verses, John tells us that Jesus was deeply moved. Now, the Greek word here is embrimeomai. It indicates a depth of emotion that he felt. But also it implies that he had like a sort of indignation or righteous anger at the injustice of death. I wonder what riles you? Where do you feel injustice at work, in your school or Workplace or your community, what moves you deeply? Allow the Spirit of God to move you to feel it. An example is at HTBB, we run a food bank serving many uh, families uh, that need help. And uh, off the back of this, we then launch what's called the Bukit Bintang Community Center uh, on Saturdays, helping uh, many. families that come from disadvantaged backgrounds. And every year, for the last couple of years, we've tried to do a Christmas party for the children, either that we know through these families or the refugee schools that we serve. And this last Christmas, our church was packed full of all these kids. And many of our CGs, you'd done a brilliant thing. You'd, you'd um, wrapped Christmas presents for the children. And as they were being given these gifts, many of them the first present they'd ever received, I suddenly felt deeply moved by the Spirit and I could feel myself beginning to tear up. I was a bit embarrassed, so I went out of the room, I went to the toilets and just sort of tried to compose myself. So I thought, okay, I'm okay now, I can go back in. But as I went through the door and walked back into that room, I started to cry like crazy. I was deeply moved. I wonder what moves your heart? What might the Lord be prompting you into action through it? The miracle often begins by God deeply moving us. Feel the need. The second thing we see is this, believe. Verse 40, it says, Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Ask for faith. But note, it's not the people's faith that causes the miracle, but it's the miracle that builds faith, their faith in Jesus. Just after this passage in verse 45, we read this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. So it's not the people's faith that brings about the miracle, but belief enables them to see it for what it is. God is at work doing amazing things around us all the time, but sometimes it takes faith to see and acknowledge it. And conversely, some people can be right in the midst of an amazing miracle, but they choose not. accept it. They choose not to see it. Again, after our passage, it says that, you know, some who'd seen it put their faith in Jesus. But then verse 46 says, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then they begin to plot as to how to bring him down. You know, the world will often try to get you to view it through the lens of cynicism to distort the reality of what God is really doing. You know, I can't really see a thing through these lenses. They make me look like a minion, but it distorts my view. And that's what cynicism does. But I don't know about you, I, I, I don't want to look at the world through lenses of cynicism, but I want to see with eyes of faith clearly to see all that Jesus is doing around me. And as you believe, you begin to see clearly. And your belief is contagious. You know, when the Lord called Sarah and I to move from London to KL to help plant the church, we thought, well, Lord, are there one or two people that might be able to come with us to start? And one of those was Dan Malest, who... He and Kate did come out with us as part of the plant team, but I remember when I sat down with Dan and first tried to share with him the vision for HTBB and The Hub, we were in this cafe and I I didn't have any documents or PowerPoint or anything like that. I just grabbed a napkin and a pencil, and a pen, and I started to scribble on a napkin what I felt the Lord was gonna do, the miracle he was gonna bring about. And this is a photocopy of that actual napkin. Dan's still got the napkin. Now, is this uh, an impressive strategy document? Is this a detailed implementation plan? No, it's, as you can see, pretty pathetic really, just a few scribbles. And Dan looked at it and he said, is that the plan? And I proudly held the napkin and said, yeah. And he goes, That's the entirety of the plan. I went, yeah. But he looked in my eyes and he saw that I believed it, that I believed that God was going to do it. So he smiled and said, okay, I'm in. You see, belief is contagious. If you believe that God is going to do something amazing, something significant, then others will begin to believe it too. And this in turn leads to the third step in God's miraculous work. And that is pray. Verse 41, we read this. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You see, Jesus raises his eyes and then he prays out aloud so that the hearers would eventually believe. Yeah, every time in the gospels that Jesus raises his eyes to pray, he then prayed out aloud. For example, when he healed the deaf and mute man uh, in Mark 7. In that passage, it also says he was deeply moved, the same word. And he raised his eyes and prayed out aloud when he blessed the food as he fed the 5,000 in Luke 9. And he raises his eyes and prays out aloud uh, in the garden of Gethsemane at the start of John 17. So as Jesus prayed out aloud, belief, faith, faith then rose in others. You see, each time as you pray, belief will rise within you. So don't wait until you have lots of belief to start praying for a miracle. First start praying and the belief will rise within you. So imagine this container is you or me. And these balls are our hopes and dreams, the things we long for, the miracles we want to see God do in our lives. They can feel like they're buried deep within us. It might be that desire for a healing in someone we know or it could be that desire for a relationship that hasn't occurred or um, that career opportunity that we long for, or that desire that our pastor would use more visual examples when he preaches, or whatever it might be, but things deep within us that somehow we don't really quite believe we'll ever see come to surface in our lives. But what happens when we pray is that God begins to pour within us belief. He pours faith into us, as we pray and as others pray for us as well. And the level of our belief begins to rise. The water level of faith, as it were, within us rises. And before we know it, the answers to our prayers begin to surface in our life and God brings them to pass. The fourth thing we see is this, we do the possible God will do the impossible. When God does a miracle, he often graciously invites us to partner in it with him. The raising of Lazarus was clearly a miracle. We're told that he'd been buried in the tomb for four days when Jesus arrived. The Jews believed that the soul left the body on the third day after death. So it's indicating that after four days, look, Lazarus, he's clearly dead. And Martha, his sister, even says to Jesus when he says, open the tomb, she goes, no, don't do that. There'll be a bad odor. Actually, the Greek word here is ozo, which literally means it's going to stink, Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Well, firstly, he gets others involved in this miracle. Verse 39, he says to them, take away the stone. In Jesus' day, people were buried either in a natural cave or in man-made caves called a a sepulcher. And these caves had niches or a shelf in them. The body would be laid on there, it would decompose, and then the, the, the bones would be put in a stone jar called an ossuary and placed in the corner so that the shelf could be used again. And once the body had been laid in the tomb, they'd then place a large stone in front of the entrance that would sometimes even slot into a groove on the ground. Then they'd paint the stone white so people knew it was a tomb and not to touch it. And these stone entrances, they were pretty difficult to move. So when Jesus said to them, take the stone away, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's clearly possible. And other examples when Jesus asked people to do the possible as part of a miracle include when he said to the servants at the wedding in Cana, fill the water jars, water that he would then turn into wine. Or when he said to his disciples, oh, distribute the five loaves and the two fish, with which he would then multiply to feed 5,000. I mean, think about it. Filling water jars, distributing food, remote, removing a stone entrance. These are all possible things. We get to be part of the miracle. And the good news is he just asked us to do the possible bit. Think of that miracle again that you need in your life, what could you do that's possible that God might be asking you to do? We do the possible, but then Jesus does the impossible. That's how a miracle works. We do the possible, he does the impossible. Verse 43, we read this. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow, Jesus really does do the impossible. He brings Lazarus to life. But then Jesus asked the people to do something else that is possible. He says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, some of you, you may have put your faith in Jesus already, and if so, you are no longer spiritually dead. You've walked out of the tombs, as it were. You have new life in Christ. But maybe you still walk around in the clothes of death, the clothes and lifestyle of the past. In Jesus' day, the body would be laid in a tomb with strips of linen over it, and Actually, wealthier people would also first have the body covered in spices and paste and then tied onto the body with the layers of white cloth, just as Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus put on Jesus' body when they buried him after the cross. And this paste and these strips of linen formed like a preservative mold or cocoon around the body. And then what they'd sometimes do, and we're told in verse 44, that they'd done this with Lazarus, would be to wrap and tie the hands and the feet of the body together. The word here for sort of wrapping, tying together is Deo. Maybe your old habits, the clothes and lifestyle of sin and death, maybe they still bind you from walking freely with Christ or they prevent you from working and serving him freely day to day. But Jesus says to the people, Take off the grave clothes, be free. The Apostle Paul puts it this way to the Colossians. He says, take off the old self. Jesus wants you to be free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then the fifth and final thing we see is this. Turn your test into a testimony. The raising of Lazarus made a massive impact. In the very next chapter, John 12, verse 10, we read this. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. You know, it was because of Lazarus's testimony that many people were putting their faith in Jesus. You know, when uh, dead bodies were wrapped in linen, the cloth would often be wrapped under the chin to close the mouth. And this meant that when Lazarus was raised and came out of the tomb, he had a cloth around his face and chin, verse 44 tells us. And that meant he literally couldn't speak. That's why Jesus tells the people to take the grave clothes off him because he wanted to release Lazarus's voice so he could share his testimony. Don't let the guilt or shame of the past gag your voice. Jesus wants you to speak of what he's done for you, to share your story. Now, you might think, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, one easy way is to simply just invite people onto Alpha to come and hear about Jesus. Alpha begins this Wednesday. Who could you invite to come and explore? yeah you know all testimonies point to Jesus and the good news of his death and resurrection. This miracle in John eleven so clearly does that more than probably any of the other miracles that Jesus does in the Gospels. When Jesus hears that Lazarus is really ill, he waits two days before going to Bethany where lazarus is where Lazarus lives, knowing that by the time he arrives there, Lazarus would have died but knowing that he'd then have the opportunity to raise him from the dead. Jesus is making a point that actually the only way to life, ultimately, is through death. But ultimately through Jesus' own death on the cross. The depth of feeling, the embryo that he, he feels at the tomb of Lazarus, it's the same word, the same indignation at the injustice of death that he feels in the garden of Gethsemane by John chapter 17. And of course, on the third day after Jesus' own death, it was Jesus himself who walked out the tomb. But unlike Lazarus, He's not got the grave clothes on. They've been left behind in the tomb. And the fact that the grave clothes were left behind by the resurrected Jesus shows us that the clothes of death, the old ways, they have truly died with him. And that when we put our faith in him, new life and freedom is only found in Jesus. So let your test become a testimony that points to the God that has conquered death for us, and brings us life, forgiveness, and wholeness in him, and pray that he will continue to work miraculously in your life and the life of the church. Actually, I want to pray for you right now, wherever you are listening or watching this. I want to pray for belief to begin to rise for the miracle that you need. So come, Holy Spirit, Would you pour in faith to all watching this right now? We lift up to you that breakthrough that everyone needs to see in their life. Just name it before the Lord right now. Lord, we can only do the possible, but we know, we believe that you can do the impossible. Would you move in power in our lives, in HTBB, in our nations, And would you bring freedom? I pray that the Lord would release you from the grave clothes to walk into the fullness of the freedom that Jesus brings. It is for freedom that he he came, died, and rose from the dead. In him, you can find that right now in Jesus' name.